I wonder if you can think of a time in your life when you've had a really good experience of Christian community, of, a, of God's people together. Might be a small number of people, might be a large number of people. Maybe this happened for you a long time ago, or maybe very recently. Maybe it was an event that you're a part of, like a camp or a conference, and God really impacted your life with that group of people. Or maybe it was a small group that you've been a part of. Maybe it was a church at a point of time in your life. I can think of a time when uh, I was about 18. Uh, I'd just finished end of my first year of uni here at UTAS studying economics and uh, had a group of about seven or eight friends who went to different churches around Hobart and being uni students with four months of holiday ahead of us, we decided to go to a shack at the beach for the weekend and we thought this would be great. And we started to chat during the day while down at the beach about God, life, the universe. And we got to the evening and one of the people in the group said, why don't we pray? Now, you're Christians, you might think that's a bit of a bizarre concept for Christians to do, but uh, because for us, as you know, 18, 19-year-olds, our concept of prayer was when you said, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful, amen. And then we ate our food. But anyway, we started to pray. And three or four hours later, we stopped. And we couldn't believe it, that we'd prayed for that long. It didn't feel like three or four hours, and it was incredible. So we talked about it all the next day, and the, the next night, the Saturday night, we prayed again for three or four hours. And after that weekend, we started meeting together every Monday night in a uh, house in North Hobart to pray. And we did things together with God, and we just built each other up in faith and had the highs and lows of life together. I look back on that weekend as a time when God laid some foundations in my life and, and changed me. And it happened in community with other people. I wonder if you've had an experience. It, it won't be like that because God does things in different ways for everyone but an experience of being built up together with God's people. Imagine if you were one of those 120 believers in the book of Acts chapter 2 who were there on the day of Pentecost and you saw literal fire coming down through the ceiling. Or you heard the wind, like that wind we had the other night round Hobart, which sounded like it was going to blow my roof off. Or imagine if you were one of the 3,000 people who'd just gone down to the river that day and been baptised, and then all these things started happening together. You know, a decade, two decades later, how would you look back on the foundations God had laid in your life? Acts chapter 2 is not something that we try and recreate in our churches. That's not how God works. But there are a lot of things in Acts chapter 2 that we can discover about what a changed community of God's people looks like. And I think it will give us some hints 
for what the Lindisfarne Anglican Church should be thinking about as it forms and reforms and is changed by God. So just be thinking about your church through this lens as we're going through it. So the first thing we see, so we're in Acts chapter 2. If you uh, have got a Bible in front of you, that'd be great um, because you've got to check that I'm actually telling you the right stuff out of the Bible. Um, Never believe what Chris or anyone else says up the front here without double-checking that it's actually actually true. Uh, So in Acts chapter 2, in verse 36, we read this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The people of God in Acts chapter 2 were formed by repentance. That was how they began. You might have heard some sermons about Acts chapter 2 before. They generally start at verse 42. But actually, it's how they were formed before that moment that lays the foundations for verse 42 onwards. And repentance is what forms the heart of this community a genuine humbling of themselves before God. They were cut to the heart at their previous behaviour, which was far from God. If you want to go back into Old Testament times, you can see this same thing in the story of Nehemiah, where God's people come out of exile, return to the land of Israel to rebuild the people of God. And Nehemiah begins in chapter 1 with a really long confession, a lot longer than the one that we just did this morning. In chapter 9, all the Israelites, however many of them that was, confess together. So repentance is when we look at our past honestly and leave it behind, having been forgiven by God and being ready to serve him and be changed by him. I wonder what it is that's in your past. Maybe it's your immediate past this morning or 20 years ago that needs forgiving by God that you've never actually brought to God to be forgiven by. Or maybe in your church what you need to repent of. Uh, Last month I became old and I turned 50. And one one of the things about getting old is that uh, you realise that you still have things to repent of. In fact, you have probably more things that you're aware of to repent of than you did when you were 20 or 30 or 40. Uh, And I suspect that as I go on in life, I'll keep having that experience. You see that in the Apostle Paul, where actually his view of himself changes so that by the time he gets to being fairly old, he looks at himself as the worst of sinners. Now, I don't think he is, but his perspective on life has just shown him a real humility towards his behaviour. What is it that the people of the Lindisfarne Church need to repent of to be ready for God to transform you? 
I'm sure there's things that you've already been doing in that way, but there'll be more things to do. A changed community begins with repentance. Well, after you've had that change, then in verses 42 to 47 of Acts chapter 2, that's where you get a glimpse of what this fledgling church looks like and the things that are most important to them. Uh, John Stott, the Christian writer, helpfully divides this into four characteristics of a church or four relationships. So he says they're a learning church in their relationship to the apostles, a loving church in relationship to one another, a worshipping church in relationship to God, and an evangelistic church in relationship to the world. So we're going to look at each of those things now. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You would think that after having such an amazing conversion experience, mass rally, thousands of people, that they would have charged off into the world to do great things for God. But they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. In fact, one of the evidences that God's Spirit has been given to them is their devotion to that teaching. Uh, the Holy Spirit, as we read in John's Gospel, is the Spirit of truth. Jesus said that Spirit would remind the disciples of everything that Jesus said and did. And in verse 43 of Acts 2, we read that of the signs and wonders performed by the apostles. Now, those signs and wonders were amazing in themselves. You can read of people being healed and all sorts of dramatic things. But one of the main points of those signs, those miracles, is that they authenticate the teaching of the apostles. Just like the teaching of Jesus is authenticated, given authority by God, by the signs that he does. Uh, you can see that the Gospel of John uh, has been called the Book of Signs because it's framed around these miracles. So the signs the apostles are enabled by God to do give authority to their teaching. And in large part, the New Testament that we have is made up of the teaching of the apostles and those close to them. So why should we devote ourselves to God's word, to the teaching of the apostles? Well, one reason is because God gave his stamp of approval on it through those signs that the apostles did. So a foundation of any changed church community is devotion to the word of God, devotion to the Bible. And in the midst of that, it's allowing our own opinions and our own experiences to be tested by God's Word, not the other way around, as we often like to do it. Now, that might not be a popular view in Australia today. I suspect it's very unpopular. It's even unpopular in some parts of the church in Australia. But it's the way of Jesus. It's the way of the early church, and you can actually see all around Australia that the churches that are growing have got this devotion to the Word of God as 
the authority and the center of their life. So if you want to be a changed church community, then devote yourselves to God's word. It's good to read it by yourself, but it's even better to read it with other people in community. in pairs down at the coffee shop or in small group Bible studies or together in church to be a learning church as God shapes you and changes you. The second thing that we find is that they were a loving church in relationship to one another. So in verse 42, we read again, they devoted themselves to the fellowship Uh, This word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. Some of you might have heard of that. And koinonia or fellowship has two aspects. Firstly, it's the fellowship or relationship that every Christian has with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So all of us who have turned to Christ have that access to the same God by faith. We share or fellowship in this together. But koinonia or fellowship is also about what we share out to other people, to other Christians, shared lives and shared resources. Now, this is where I'm going to scare you as uh, Australians, so be prepared. Let me read again, uh, just in case you, you missed it on the way through when Ruth was reading it. Verse 44... All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. How big a contrast is that to Australia today? So so does that mean that this afternoon you should go out, hire a real estate agent... Uh, because the market's really good at the moment, you'd get a good price for your property and hand over all that money to the church treasurer. Is that what this means? Well, if I read on in this reading, that uh, in verse 46, we see that they continue to meet together in their homes. Ah, so they've still got homes. But you do see later on in the book of Acts some great generosity where people might sell a piece of property and give it to the church for the benefit of those within the church particularly those in need but even though we mightn't be being asked to go out and sell our houses this afternoon these verses are a challenge for generosity to flow in the church community and I reckon that's one of the big hurdles for us in Australia Um, you know when Jesus talked to the rich young ruler and he said to him, go away and sell everything? Now, Jesus didn't say that to everything, to everyone, but I think he knew that for the rich young ruler, money was his God. So, if money is your God, the thing that you spend your life focused on, then maybe the call to generosity will be harder for you. Sometimes in our lives, we actually, we don't realise it, but we structure our lives in such a way in Australia that we find it very difficult to be generous. By the 
the size house we buy, with the mortgage that goes with it, with the job that's needed for it, with the time it takes, with the money it takes. And, and all of a sudden, we're, we're trapped in this cycle where it's very hard to be generous. You might have some structural things in your life that gradually need disentangling so you can be generous. Or you might be a wonderfully generous person. I've, I've met some incredibly generous people in all the churches I've been involved in. So what will you do if you see someone in need in this church? What will you do if you see the needs in the worldwide church? In the New Testament, we move from um, an Old Testament system, which was quite clear, where you had uh, tithes, 10% of your money was offered, and uh, particular sacrifices at different times of the year, but in the New Testament, you move to having deep principles of generosity and sacrifice and care for the needy, which is, is much harder than just ticking off the 10% box because I never nail generosity. I never get 100% on sacrifice. I never fully care for the needy. There's always ways for God to shape so will Lindisfarne Parish have these principles at the very core of your lives and of your church? A loving church in relationship to one another. The third thing that we see in verses 42 to 47 is that they were a worshipping church in relationship to God. Again, in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayer. They were filled with awe. They praised God. They worshipped God together. Uh, the breaking of bread is probably a reference to the Lord's Supper, but the way they did it would have been entirely different from how you would do it in this church, where, um, not doing it this morning, but I, I was here on Wednesday and you had little cups and you had a tiny little wafer, and people walked up the front. Uh, back then, they, they would have had, you know, 10, 20, 30, 80 people in a big lounge room, laying around on the floor, pretty much, reclining at a little low table, and uh, a glass of wine, which tasted nothing like our wine, and, you know, loaves of flatbread, and all this stuff over a, a meal that went for three or four hours at least, and... Jesus was at the centre of that meal. They worshipped God. They had Jesus at the centre of their worship. And they prayed. They prayed together. They, they learnt to pray together. They prayed in organised, formal ways. So they went down to the, the regular services at the temple. There were daily services of, of prayer at the temple. Uh, but they... They prayed informally. They prayed spontaneously. They prayed in big groups. They prayed in little groups. They prayed in relationship to events. They prayed as a part of their lifeblood. I don't know if you pray or know how to pray. Uh, do you know, one of, the, one of the jobs of a minister is to help teach you how to pray. So if you're not quite sure how to do this, have a chat to Chris. Um, don't be embarrassed if you're not sure how to do this. Jesus' own disciples had to ask him to give them a way of praying. 
uh, the last church I was a part of, I remember going to my first parish council meeting when, um, you know, I stopped halfway through the meeting. I said, well, we'll spend some time praying. And uh, after a very long silence, when no one prayed, I realised that um, no one had ever taught them. So I taught the parish council how to pray. So learn together. I, I was blessed to be able to learn with a group of Christians when I was 18, 19, 20, how to pray. Have that as part of the lifeblood of your church. Have worship of God. Have coming together each week more often as a part of the lifeblood of your church. After that weekend that I mentioned earlier in the service when I was 18, I went back to my church the next Sunday, which was a, uh, a very ordinary local Anglican church down at Taruna in Hobart. And I was amazed at what had happened to that church over the last week because all of a sudden the service was incredibly meaningful and the preaching was fantastic, the worship was wonderful, the words in the service were amazing and of course nothing had actually changed in the service but a lot had changed inside of me. I wonder, does your heart long to meet with God when you come together on Sundays? Or what about the times when it's not feeling very joyful to come to church? Are you able to persevere through that? Maybe some of you are just here this morning because you had to drag yourselves here, but you being here is such an encouragement to other people. And... I've almost inevitably found on the days when I've dragged myself to church that God has spoken to me and the joy of being together with God's people and worshipping God uh, really lifts me up anyway. A worshipping church in relationship to God. The fourth thing, the last thing, they were an evangelistic church in relationship to the world. The Acts chapter 2 church community would have been amazing. Thousands of people just newly converted, incredible experiences, crowds with live open-air rallies and um, opposition, and just the emotion of it would have been extraordinary. And the world outside was hostile, and it would have been really easy to stay inside the church community and to forget about that nasty world outside. I mean, don't you ever have experiences where you want to stay inside the nice, warm Christian cocoon and not go outside that? But that's not what Jesus did. God is a missionary God. God has created us as his people to declare the good news, to invite others into his kingdom, to enjoy the blessings of being a part of this community. We see in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This vibrant church community and evangelism belonged together. And it happened daily. Now, they did big spectacular events and lots of organised things, but mostly... 
they shared their faith one-to-one. They shared their faith in the lunchroom at work. The conversation with the person who says, so what did you get up to on the weekend? Uh, They shared their faith in their families. They shared their faith with their neighbours. They were passionate, but they relied on God to cause that growth. And what you can do as a church is encourage one another in making sharing your hope a part of your daily life. You can can plan to reach this community, and, and I know you're doing that, but you need to pray that God will do this great miracle. Uh, We've got a a lady in Theological College in Melbourne at the moment who's an ordination candidate for the diocese uh, whose name's Katrina. And uh, she'll tell you the story of how five or six years ago she was a committed atheist working as a scientist down at CSIRO and how God has now got her as an ordination candidate training to do what Chris does in a local church. That's the Lord at work. So how many atheists, how many agnostics, how many followers of other gods or worshippers of AFL are there in this community who are going to be sitting with you in five years' time and you're just going to be marvelling at what the Lord has done? See, that's what we're hoping and praying for. So in Acts chapter 2, you just see these basic building blocks of a church community. Start with repentance. Then build a church that is a learning church, a loving church, a worshipping church, and an evangelistic church. Imagine what God might do that in 10 or 20 years' time you can look back on. It's not Chris's job to do this. don't know if you noticed when the reading was happening, but it keeps saying they and them and everyone because everyone who was a part of the church community did this together. It's up to all of you. It's a big task. Maybe you can break it down now and think, what's, what's one thing you can do this week in your life? or within your church that you can put into action. Homework for you. Chris will check next week, see how you go. No, he won't. It's all right. He might. I don't know. <laughs> Think what's, what's just one thing that you or this church needs to repent of and turn away from. Maybe you can, maybe God will bring something like that to mind. Or maybe you can think of a way in which you can learn more from God's word this week. Maybe maybe you can think of a way that you can show love and generosity to someone this week. Maybe there's a way that you can grow in prayer and worship of God this week. Maybe there's an opportunity to, to pray that God would enable you to share your hope this week. Just pick one of those things as as God brings that to mind 
And we're going to pray about that now and ask that God would do that in us. So let's commit this to prayer. Lord God, as we read about the first Christians in Acts, we're amazed at what you're doing, yet we're also struck by how ordinary they are. Lord, we, we want to be a church community that comes humbly before you as repentant people, that learns from you and your word day by day. We want to be known for our love and generosity. We want to worship you, even when we don't feel like it. And Lord, we want to reach out to this community with the hope of Jesus. Lord, whatever that thing is that we're thinking of for this week, would you enable us to do that by your Spirit? And Lord, would you also surprise us with something else that we haven't thought of? Make our hearts open to growing and serving you as a church together. Lord, we are your people and we want to grow as your people together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.